The Pacers have fewer free agents than draft picks. They have a lot of cap space. This is going to be a crazy offseason for the Pacers in terms of how they figure out how to deal with all of those things at hand. Rhett Bauer and I will break it all down today and explain why this Pacers offseason could be a crazy one where they have to find quite the solution to build their team. All coming today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name is Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today we're talking about the offseason, the crazy offseason coming to Pacers way because high level, I've explained it a few times, they have three outgoing free agents, five draft picks, a ton of cap space on a number, TBD greater than 25, less than 35. We'll see. Uh, but it's going to be nuts. How do they fit everything in? What kind of deals could they make to accomplish their goals? How are they going to navigate draft night? Rep Bauer and I will break it all down today because there's so many angles they could take. There's so many recent or historic deals they could copy, including one that I thought of during the recording. That makes a lot of sense for the Pacers to try to pursue their own version of a deal like that. We'll get to it all today, but in summary, as most Steph says in mathematics, it's a numbers game, but stuff don't add up somehow. Rep Bauer and I, Pacers offseason, lots of good stuff coming today on Locked on Pacers. Let's do it. We are now joined for the second time in two weeks by Rep Bauer. I'm breaking all my rules and repeating guests, but hey, someone got sick. You changed the schedule around, and here we are, and Rep knows cap stuff, so we're here talking about the Pacers offseason and it's going to be chaos like I can't even sell it short of that because if if they do the most vanilla offseason possible that's still going to be chaotic because something weird has to happen for that to even be the case and that's what we're cutting up today Rhett let's just start high level the Pacers have three free agents if you want to count two a contracts go ahead they have five whatever they have five draft picks somewhere between 25 and 35 million in cap space. Anyone predicting cap space now, stop. Impossible. Tell the draft. Don't don't even try. Stop. There's no number. Doesn't matter when they have this many picks. They have a lot of space. They have a lot of picks. They don't have a lot of roster spots. They're going to have to either consolidate or draft and stash and just sit on their space, but they have to meet the floor maybe by the time the season starts because of the new CBA, but TBD, if that's going to be implemented next year. Uh, either way, this numbers game doesn't add up somehow so uh it's gonna be very confusing and fascinating to see how the pacers manage all this yeah um i think we've been talking about it since before the trade deadline it was like hey there's gonna be some weirdness going on this summer if they don't do something at the trade deadline that involves getting some extra roster spots and they brought people in um and they just cut a couple people so they didn't really address that at all yeah i don't know what is going to happen. I think the only good news, if you can say that for uh, at least projecting some of this stuff is that the free agents that they have aren't like a huge deal. So if there is a roster spot crunch, right, right. they have already been referred to publicly as July 10th guys. So I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, so if the Pacers get into a situation where they actually end up making picks, 7, 26, 29, and somehow 32, that starts to get a little bit more obvious what that would look like. And they still would need to do something. 
And so that in, in and of itself, the chaos of, like you said, of what the picks might end up being, because this board, like this, this draft class is all over the place from like 14 to 40, 14 to 30 for yeah. sure. And the Pacers have possibly three picks in that area. So I don't know what the heck is going to go on, but I do agree for sure that it will be chaos and hopefully we can get more answers sooner rather than later and uh, get get some lottery results, get some get some possible movement all over the place. It'll, it'll be just fantastic to see. The, the lack of clarity makes this exceedingly difficult. I mean, that's why I can't guess their cap space. I don't know <laughs> what their pick, what their pick is going to be matters a great deal. And then whatever they do or don't do prior to July one also matters. But the reason it's a head scratcher is like, if they end up with, there's two reasons. Like if they end up with 50 from the heat instead of 32, if they weren't trying to make the playoffs next year, which Halberton said is their goal. Pritchard was talking about jumping up to 45 or 50 wins. Like they want to prove their defense. Like they want to be better, right? They want to be better next year. If they weren't trying to do that, you could just say they make three picks. They or they make all five picks. Their two late seconds go to their two way slots, and like, bada bing, bada boom, you're done. And like, yeah, you're below the floor, and that might <laughs> you have to deal with that. But like, that's simple, impossible. But their goals of postseason play require like good players, and like they'll have internal development and get better. They have a good team now. They won 35 games. Like they're not that far away. But you can't just add rookies and be better. Like Kevin Pritchard even said at his thing, right? Like rookies don't typically lead to winning play. You're going to need to trade for someone to sign someone, perhaps some ones in both of those instances. And to do so, you're going to have to use stuff. And so that this, this all doesn't add up to anything easy, right? That might mean trading three players for one player. That might mean trading three picks for one player. This Like, the Knicks kind of did this last year because of the dance they were doing in their offseason. But like the Knicks traded like a 2023 pick for a 2024 pick. Oh, that was last year. So a 2022 pick for a 2023 pick. But like they just did it because, you know, they kicked the can down the road and they got something else for it. Like that might just make sense for the Pacers in their situation. Just keep stalling, getting more stuff until it's time to strike. Like it, it just there's so many ways this could go. And because their goals are get better, improve the resources required to do that means you're going to have to do some sort of confusing dancing with some player, with some pick with more than likely multiple of those things. It's just impossible to predict what could or couldn't make sense for them. Yeah. I think we, the one thing we know for sure is that KP keeps reiterating. They're not going to draft five players. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that in a second in more depth, but yes, right. Exactly. Yeah, I, and so at least at least there's that. So at, if the very least we have that they're not going to draft five, they could draft four. Maybe they draft six. It's just dead set, dead set on that five. Number. I actually want to comment something funny. So I tweeted that exact quote. He said, I don't want to bring five young players into this organization. And someone replied yeah. and was like, oh, so they're picking five 23-year-olds or something. <laughs> I thought that was super funny. <laughs> oh, man. Marcus Sasser, you are an Indiana Pacer. Um, but yeah, so the history of teams consolidating draft picks that were just sending out a dra- a late first in the current year for a future first is not super favorable. Like It doesn't really mesh with what uh, the optimistic uh, sort of returns that I've been seeing lately. Like last year, the wolves traded 19 for 22 and 29. So like that, that's kind of close to where the Pacers are. It was th- moving three spots up for a tw- the 29th pick. 
So are you doing 23 for 26, 29? Like, are you excited about that? Maybe because the guy that you want at 23 is there, but ultimately I think that it's, it's just going to, it might be a little bit underwhelming for people expecting a big jump with those late picks. And that's why I'm kind of hoping that it turns into a player, but yeah, there's the, uh, the optionality that they have also leads to a ton of options that makes it impossible to know what the heck's going to happen. Yeah. So like, it's hard to say what this trade will end up being because it got rolled into the Duran trade too, but the Knicks traded the Ushman Jang pick, which technically it's the Jalen Williams pick. They picked Jang first and Williams with the very next pick. It doesn't matter. They traded. So they knew they would get Jalen Williams. Um, the Knicks for pick 11 got a lottery protected Detroit first in 2023. They're not going to get that yet. Uh, the wizards top eight for, no, I'm sorry. Top eight protected Detroit first, not getting it. A liar protected wizards first, not getting it, and then a top eighteen protected nuggets pick, which they then traded in the Duran deal. Lots of moving parts, but they got like three firsts that are worse. So, like the risk you take when you do something like that is you have no idea what these teams are going to look like next year. You can kind of guess, like it's sort of obvious, especially based on what they're doing on draft night. But you know, it, it's hard to say. So, like you could be trading pick eleven for next year's pick twenty five and twenty six, and like that, that sucks. That's bad. So it's hard to do those. That's why they got three picks for it, and everybody wanted J Dub apparently. So that's why the Thunder did it. But uh, look, they're smart. But those are hard trades to make, and they're exceedingly risky. You could just inherently lose value immediately, and that's like one of the very rare recent ones of those. I'm sure if I dug into more past examples, there's more favorable ones. But you know that one is very recent. Uh, but like that's one way to do it. And, and another way this numbers game works is like trading two players for one. It's very obvious. Then all of a sudden you freed up an extra roster spot. But even then, it's like, who are these super obvious, valuable players the Pacers should be rushing to trade? Like, it's not easy to to figure out like, okay, if they trade these two flotsamist players that are questionably in their rotation next year for something they want, they'll be better. It's like, yeah, duh, every team would do that if they could, but those trades don't exist. So like Figuring, I think it's gonna probably have to be like a combination deal of something big or confusing with like here's two players and two picks for one or two things. But we're getting ahead of ourselves either way. Like it's very hard to just kick the can down the road when every team kind of knows you're doing it too. So uh, I'll be very curious. They're gonna have to be. Kevin Pritchard said this. Like they're gonna have to be exceedingly creative to sort all this out because that's kind of the big crux of their offseason to me is just. It, even if they want to do one thing or another, the numbers game doesn't add up and they're going to have to make it add up at some point. Yeah. And the thing with those picks that the Knicks did get for the Usman Jiang selection, they're all like protected for years. Years. Right. Like right. the, the nuggets pick is top 14 until 2025. I think the Washington pick is like top 18 or, or something, something just silly. Like yeah, it's just it not, it's Washington lottery, Denver lottery, Detroit top 18. Yes, exactly. And so like those those picks are not only they might not convey like they should because some of these teams like they should be flirting with that area. But th- right. that's the risk that the Knicks took to get future ammo. And so you can say you got three firsts for one. It's like, eh, did you really, though? And so that's that's another in- instance of being exceedingly creative, I think. And I think that's that's just it's hard to see the team. And I think that that is the part where it. And that's I just trust KP and, and all of them to do all of the groundwork to look at all the options. I think they said they had a whiteboard with like A through Z or whatever. And I'm just <laughs> going to be really interested to see what 
what plays out there? Because the the history of consolidating either players or draft picks is pretty all over the place. And I'm it a lot of it comes down to obviously lottery, but a lot of it also comes down to like what players are available at certain spots. Cause some teams are just extremely aggressive at going to get a specific guy. And that might be a situation where you weren't planning for it, but it just falls in your lap with 10 seconds to go on the, the draft pick clock. Yeah. Modeling is going to be really important for the Pacers, which is funny because it's also going to be impossible. <laughs> like, right. you know, when, when you think of modeling, uh, I don't know what this looks like. I've never really dove into it or asked anybody, but like in my head, I imagine it's like, okay, this player goes here and this player goes here and this player goes here and these picks go this way. Like, what's this guy going to do? What's this, you know, you play out all those scenarios, but when you, ha- when you yourself have so many decisions to make in the numbers game, it's like, <laughs> you, I think Kevin Pritchard said infinity is the number that he made up of. of it's probably not far from the truth <laughs> with all of these options. Modeling will be hard and I want to pivot to the draft now. Hey guys, quick little break here so I can talk to you about Ultimate Pro Basketball GM, the coolest game I played in a long time. I thought I could be an NBA GM. We're talking about it today. It turns out it's really hard. And if you've had the same thought and have thought about managing your own basketball franchise, go download Ultimate Pro Basketball GM right now. This game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through a season, leading your team and fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty in the simulation you're responsible for dealing with challenging personalities hiring the right coaches trading and training players making picks navigating your franchise through free agency and more in a challenging and realistic game world ultimate pro basketball gm completely free playable offline on the go as you want when you want check it out yourself the locked on nba hosts we all have a little contest going on so you can win the most titles in 30 years i think pat the designer is going to win but we'll see a lot of trash talk super fun do it with your friends and Locked On Pacers listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, in the game score. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com. Scan the code on YouTube if you're listening there, or look it up on the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com, ultimate basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. Look, the, the draft part of this is fascinating because of what we've talked about with these consolidating picks already, and it's like, the other part that you and I have talked about before is there's not an obvious like bail you out. This team's changing direction team in the range that you'd want, like 29 and 26 based on the values you just said, gets you to like 20, 20. Uh, that's 19? yeah. You know, like if you wanted to just team to 22. Yeah. But also like if you're the Pacers, why do you want the 20th pick? Right. Like if you make a pick at seven, you yep. already have Halliburton and Nembard and Matherin and whoever you pick at seven and Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson, like all these uh, Jordan Wara's under 25. Like you already have a lot of young dudes. Aaron Neesmith's under 25. Like, do you really want to be throwing in another one, especially if you're trying to make the playoffs? Like, why would they like, yeah, getting a better pick might be better. And if it's a consolidation trade, that helps. But do they do they want to be doing that? And there's no team in that range where I'm like, oh, oh they obviously make sense as a team that might want two picks instead of one. Like, I could squint and say, like, I guess Miami, but like Miami's very good at drafting in that range. So, like, maybe not. So it, it's hard to find the Nets are the one that makes a little bit of sense to me. They're at 21, but even then, like that and 22. And 22, did they end up with oh their own picks? 22. Hey, I can. Read. Yep. Um. So yeah, but so they're gonna want to do 22. Like that. There's some stuff that makes sense to me, but at the same time, it's like, is that really what the Pacers want? But trading out of the draft, like we already discussed, is really hard unless you're getting a commodity, and that's why I feel like the thing that makes sense that would kind of make sense with their goals of trying to be good and consolidate stuff would be like multiple players and multiple picks for. 
good to great player X. But even then, who is that guy? Like, it, it's just, it's hard to say at the league's current clarity level. And when teams are eliminated from the playoffs and their direction's more known, it'll be a little easier to kind of go through that. But you know, that is what makes the most sense to me, just given what I just said. But the draft part will be fascinating because even they're too late first, it's like, why would they want that on their team next year, given what their stated goals are right now? I think draft and stash has been the term that I've seen most common with the Pacers because of the roster crunch. And they just have so many picks to where it's like, okay, we're going to, let's say they do consolidate to move up and take a very specific guy that they want to draft and stash. Okay. Maybe, but like, I I don't know that that's way beyond something that I'm going to dive into, but the, the Hornets traded the pick that was Jalen Duran for a 2025 Milwaukee pick. The Nuggets traded wow, the. I can't believe I, even in retrospect, I cannot believe that. I cannot believe they did. The the Nuggets. Well, they did have pick fifteen. Just to clarify that, so they had they got Mark Williams, but the Nuggets traded Jamichael Green in a protected a top five protected 2027, 2028, 2029 pick for number thirty. Like the the trades are not super great for the team that wants to trade out of the draft, and so that is where I. Future assets for the Pacers would be awesome because they do not have any future facing firsts. And that is always helpful when it comes to making a big swing. Teams don't yeah. want three picks in the same draft. They would want one in 27, 28, 29, 30. And so that is going to be, they're going to look for it, but I feel like there's a lot of teams that are also going to be looking for it. Who's going to be excited to go out of their way and give that up. I think one year the Cavs got, yeah, they got the Kevin Porter jr. Pick for like, a million seconds in cash. Like they didn't even give up to the Pacers. That wasn't the Pacers pick. Was it? I, I maybe the Pacers were, they were close to Kevin Porter jr's range. I know that for sure. It was the 30th pick, whatever year the Cavs got it, but they gave up no firsts for a first. I'm pretty sure like that the late first, that's the thing that makes sense. So like if you, the next thing that we mentioned, we're we're just bouncing random ideas off the wall. This is hardly an option. (laughs) Like, Look, looking at those late first, those values are tricky. And so like maybe they want to go the next route where it's like, let's keep having as many assets as we can. So when we do finally have a chance to get an awesome disgruntled player into our team, we can do it. But that's also risky. You never know who's there. You never know what protections are going to happen. Like, is that what they want to do? Do they want to go for it now? They haven't been in the playoffs for three years. They haven't won a playoff game since 2018. Like, that's pretty rough, even if. Yes, it's all made sense. The moves they've made along the way have made sense. It's still a long time, right? So maybe they're looking to go a little more aggressive than that. So it's hard. It, it, it's just, I, I feel like I keep saying the same thing where it's like, here's this idea that this team did, and here's this idea that this team did, and here's what this team did, and this pick might not be as valuable as people think. And it all comes back to like, what do they do? <laughs> we still it, don't it, know. It almost, it almost, to me, takes like the perfect scenario where they – connect with a team that is going to tear it down and just wants stuff. They need salaries. They need young players. They need picks. They don't presently have them, but it also takes the team tearing it down to have a thing that would fit what the Pacers are doing. Like if the bulls are the teardown team, what do the bulls have that the Pacers can be like, yes, we can trade the, you know, maybe Patrick Williams. Like, are you trading a lot for Patrick Williams right now? Like it's really hard to figure out what that is. And like the obvious thing people will say is OG, but like, are the Raptors really going to tear it down? They just traded their 2024 pick to get Yaka Pertle. Like nothing, nothing seems easy to me. And that's why this is all going to be so complicated. It's, it's not only is it going to be a hard trade to figure out, 
all the precedent for it is like, does this really make sense for them? Is this what they want to do? I don't know. I just, I feel like a lot of their goals are conflicting, not in a bad way. It's not like this means this is impossible. It's just like, well, if you want to be good, it's really hard to do what you've set up this summer to have happen. And I don't think that that was intentional, right? Like it was just taking what was there because they did the Karis Levert trade. That pick was supposed to be last year. Kind of. Because the Cavs were really good. They traded for Karis Levert. Plan. Exactly. <laughs> that's what that, I mean. That would be my guess. <laughs> well, yeah, they, the, the Cavs traded it as a lottery protected pick, and then everybody got hurt. And then it was still. Like, I bet the day. Cavs wanted it to be gone last year. Because I bet they'd exactly. rather have the first now. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. And so that's the other thing is like, I don't. And then, of course, you just take the best trade package you can get for a Malcolm Brogdon, and that's a pick this year. Okay. Aaron Neesmith, that's a pretty good trade. But. I don't think they were intending like, oh, yes, the 2023 draft. Like, that's the one we need six or five picks and four of them in the top 32. Like, no, that's not what it was at all. It just – and so I think that's the thing where the, their roster says one thing and their assets say another. And they're – and the – both the talent on the roster and the roster spots on the roster. they all It, it is conflicting, like you said, and not in a bad way, just in a way that makes it very confusing and difficult to project. Uh, my Kevin Porter's unit point, I was incorrect. The Pacers had the 32 pick that year, and uh-huh. they traded Casey Akpala uh, to the Heat for, right. I think, five future seconds that yep. have been, yeah. They still have some of those coming. The Jazz one, and I forget the other one. Yeah. Um, yeah, the... the um, like I said this to Derek when we were doing our season recap, review, whatever podcast last week. It's like every move they made since they started this direction change, right? Going back to February of 2022, like every single trade or signing or pick that they've made, you could go, yep, that was right. That was good. Yeah. That was smart. That kept their flexibility. That got them assets. That made their team better. Whatever. Like, all of like literally all of them have been good. Like the worst one I even joked was like the Trevlin Queen signing might be the worst move <laughs> they made. Like since then, which is wild to think about. Maybe Lavert trade being like 26 and 31 for Lavert's like the worst value, but even that's not bad because Nembard's so good. So it's like what you can't quibble with anything, but now it's all coming to a head. And I think it's coming a little faster because they're better than they thought they'd be this year, right? How they already have the all-star on their team, and so all of a sudden it's like, oh man, all right, you know, maybe we do have to start making these decisions right this second. And so the question is, what, what are those? And the other part of this is consolidation trades, which are confusing. And the thing about trades that are confusing for the Pacers is like, if they want to be good, it seems like some players should be off the table. But if they want to grow organically, it seems like a different group of players should be off the table. And in reality, maybe every single player not named Tyrese Halbert and Benedict Matherin should be on the table because your tools kind of a blank slate, I guess, but I don't think they should be shopping almost <laughs> like it's, it's very confusing. Like who, who would make sense for them to trade? I, I suppose you could look at guys ages or their role compared to their salary and say, well, this guy makes some sense and this guy makes some other sense. And like, yeah, we can all do that and, and land on, you know, the same four five, six players. But even then it's like, are any of them so valuable that they can easily consolidate them to free up a roster spot or to get something that they want or to move up in the draft or whatever? Like, I feel like I'm talking in circles. It's just, it's really tricky. Like even the, the Donovan Mitchell trade, was it Trey Lyles and 24 for 13? Like, did they even have a Trey Lyles level, like picked last year, the first round level guy to do that? Like, no, I don't think they do. So it's hard to even... Think about that kind of stuff, right? I just keep running into roadblocks thinking about 
all the possibilities. And I keep coming back to it might just have to be some giant thing where lots of people go lots of places at the same time. Yep. I think you are absolutely right. The, uh, the consolidation is always fantastic in theory and everybody loves to talk about it. And, uh, the fake trade machine goes crazy with all oh, these six players for this one player. It's awesome. <laughs> That's just not how it works unless you're the Boston Celtics and Indiana Pacers last summer. Um, but yeah, I don't know it we are talking in circles because that's all we have right now is just well, stuff all around and around, but and around. like no matter what path you take yeah. like if you say okay they could try this or this or this like that yep. solves one problem or or is one solution or one thing they could do but in the end it will come back to one of the things they want to do it doesn't mesh with perfectly and they do want to do yeah. the parallel thing that Pritchard said of like keep your keep your flexibility open and keep growing organically but also get better and like what how do you do that? Like that's really hard to ask every team in the league who would like to do that. So yeah, yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, I mean, I it's always funny because like you know the post postseason pressers, you're always like getting trying to get as much out of it as possible, and so trying to fix figure out what's real and what's just GM speak is is super fun. And I know I, I dig way too much into it for something that could just easily change because I have no clue what's actually going on in the room and. Uh, I don't know. I think the team that might even blow it up, we don't even know about it yet because the playoffs aren't over. First round's not over. If a team gets obliterated the rest of the way, looking at you, Atlanta, maybe they're going to be, <laughs> maybe they're going to be aggressive. I don't know. And so that's the other, that's, that's the other thing is, you yeah. know, the playoffs matter. I so you don't even know the hot. Yeah. Like the Hawks maybe, but like they haven't lost a home game yet. That's when things truly change. Obviously I think everybody knows that, but like, the Hawks get to six or seven and lose to the Celtics, they're going to be like, that's fine. You know, the same with the Heat. You know, a lot of these teams, if they get to six or seven, they'll be fine with it. But if you lose in four in the first round, you're like, oh, man. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? So, and there's some teams where that's already impossible. This is a great playoffs. I had a uh, – um, it's, it's so series, good. Except for the Hawks series. That series sucks. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's great if you like seeing Trey Young struggle or you want them to make major moves or you really like Boston, then it's absolutely fantastic. That series had me text you and Derek and say, there is a chance that the Malcolm Brogdon, Victor Oladipo, Karis Levert, TJ Warren, DeMontis Sabonis, Quintet all make the second round, <laughs> which would be crazy because Brogdon was crazy good today and Levert was crazy good today. So, uh, I and, and that. my response to that was uh, sixth man, ninth man, seventh man, <laughs> and then Jim Warren was promoted to the eighth man today. Give him some, uh, okay, and then Karis Levert, sixth to seventh man. So, uh, Pretty much exactly what we thought the Pacers roster was was just a bunch of good that was was coming together and then didn't and now they're playing great roles for great teams that have four or five players better than them. By the way, as we speak, the Suns might be finally figuring out that they're like playing a playoff series. One more break here, guys, so I can talk to you about game time with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. No more waiting to see if ticket prices will go up or down for an event. No more waiting if it's sold out for someone to resell it. Game time can clear all those problems. They have flash deals and last minute tickets to the events you want to go to. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. They have images of seat views right on the site and the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you show up. Buy your tickets in a matter of seconds. Just takes two taps and tickets are sent directly 
to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app today. Create an account and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. The the other part of this that we haven't really gotten to, somehow we haven't gotten to a significant thing on the docket. Well, there's two things I want to say. One is if they need to move guys for value that might be hard, I think a lot of their summer projects of creativity will be finding teams that place higher value on their young, like the highest value on their young player of every team. In the league. Like of the other 29 teams, which two or three have the highest opinion of Chris Duarte right now of the other 20 nine teams which have the highest opinion of you could do that exercise for every player not named you know Halliburton, Nembard, Matherin, whoever else you put in the yep. core as an observer of this team those uh, you know that are the obvious three but you could go you know Turner could be in that group uh certainly Turner probably should be in that group whatever figure out who the 29 other teams are and figure out who values them the most because that will help I think say okay this could be the team that we could get value for this guy from and value that seems smart to me the thing we haven't talked about at all besides a brief mention in the beginning just so i could be mad that people keep reporting that the pacers have a certain amount of cap space is cap space they're gonna have a lot like right now they before the draft they haven't picked anybody they're probably gonna pick at least one or two somebodies but they have 94 million in guaranteed salaries right this second that's no shaber setback that's no george hill back that's nor no james johnson I would probably guess one of the vets are back, but that is just a guess. Um, so either way, you're still like, that's far from the salary cap, and you got to hit the floor, and maybe you have to hit the floor before the season starts now, depending on what the new CBA implements. That is TBD. That's, I can't talk about that yet because I don't know. But either way, you, it's just burning a hole in your pocket, and <laughs> you know, you guess you could renegotiate Buddy Heal, but like just to get to the floor, is that really something you want to do to just to get to the floor? Like That seems like almost a waste, unless you're getting a crazy good deal on the back end. So like, they're going to have to spend that money too. And maybe that helps them in a lopsided trade. You could take in a bunch of salary in a trade and send out very little. Sure. That's one way to do it, but it also comes back to the same thing we've been talking about. They have a lot of ways to do it. And a lot of the paths could look good, but maybe not perfect and come back to the same thing of like what they're going to have to, to rank their goals and say, this is our best path because the numbers game I've said, I, this is my phrase for the Pacers offseason. I'm just going to say it a thousand times. The numbers game doesn't add up. So you're going to have to somehow step on your own toes a little bit and figure out the way to do it the least, because I also would feel like they would just like to sign someone like that's a great way to get assets. You get a player without giving up something besides your own salary cap space. That's extremely valuable. That's like the reason the Knicks resurged this year to me beyond that. Randall was awesome again. is like they got Jalen Brunson and gave up nothing to do it. Right. Well, nothing. I think they gave a second round pick and some money for tampering. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the 58th <laughs> pick, they're killing themselves for that. Um, like yeah. that's huge. And that and that now means they can use their assets that they have to get a different star in the future, right? So like spending in free agency is really important. So I'm sure the Pacers would like to, especially if they want to be good, but like they can't because they'll draft somebody and then they want a roster spot. So it's like, man, is this all complicated? And the cap space element of it means even more to me, where it's like I, I, I keep coming back to the same thing. Can you trade like Four players for one, maybe like, like, can't they find? I, I just, I'm talking so much. Where's their Brogdon trade, right? The Celtics traded away Malik Fitz and Nick Stauskas and Juwan Morgan and Daniel Tice and Aaron Neesmith and a first round pick 
and they just got Brogdon, right? Like that, that is almost, that's perfect. Why didn't I say this earlier? That's like the perfect kind of concept for what the Pacers might be trying to explore this offseason because that would relieve them of roster spaces, use all their stuff, whether that's salary, assets, whatever, to get something that makes more sense for them and frees up. That, that, why did I wait 28 minutes to come up with that? That kind of thing should be something the Pacers are pursuing very heavily, a deal like that. Yes, exactly. And I think your your point about finding out what teams value your guys the most oh, is what's going to... Draymond oh. Green is suspended one game. Wow. We can live react to news. That's for Sabonis. Wow. I mean, that was wow. extremely egregious, but I didn't think he'd get suspended for it. I didn't either. Wow. Oh, wow. Goodness gracious. I thought that, that, that we could. We are, we, this, at this moment, 1140 p.m. Eastern on uh, April 18th, end of a dynasty, maybe. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Anyways. uh, Yeah. So finding who values your young guys the most should drive almost all of this, because like you've said, there's only so many core guys. And I really like Aaron Neesmith, not a core guy. I really like Chris Duarte when he was good. Not a core guy. Isaiah Jackson has an awesome ceiling if he can get there. He has insane physical tools. Not a core. And so like you just have to you're going to have to make a difficult decision and you're going to have to trade somebody away that you might end up regretting. But it is going to serve your current roster in a way that has to happen one way or another. Yep. Especially when, like you said, with the cap space stuff, is that's uh, that's all, that's what anybody ever talks about. It's like get get the guy so you can get the next guy. Yep. And that is what the Knicks were trying to do with Mitchell and Brunson in the same summer was get one so you can get the other, and then you have your trio quartet, whatever you want to. So being able to use the second most third most cap space in the NBA this summer to, I don't know that. I don't know. It's, it, we don't it's know for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it is. A lot. Okay. It is. A lot. Yeah. Somewhere between one and, and probably 15, I think we can safely say, but yeah, so I, it's, there's a lot of avenues at their disposal to acquire talent that may not cost very much other than opportunity and money and the Pacers will absolutely be looking for their Brogdon trade to try and capitalize on all of that because we there were plenty of uh, trade targets that came out at the trade deadline that are going to be free agents this summer. Like Jalen McDaniels was one guy that the Pacers, I don't know this for sure, I don't, who knows what who, when those things come out and who they come out from, but if the Pacers were interested in Jalen McDaniels, that's a roster spot. That's salary cap. Like that's so you gotta you gotta factor that all in too. So not to put a ton of credence into uh post trade deadline, shoulda, coulda, woulda wanted to trade for a guy, but it's just there's so much to go through. Hey, maybe Draymond Green's available. Uh he will be, yeah. Too soon. Too soon. I look forward for to see what another team does with that. Oh my gosh, that that is crazy news. Uh there's another elephant in the room we haven't even said like they win the lottery, throw out the last 31 minutes. <laughs> like your new direction is the French center. Yeah. Um, which then, even then, it's, you know, how do you, okay, wow, Halliburton and when, when Banyama, what do we do about this? What, what makes sense around these guys? How do we get them? You know, when, when is our new timeline like that? That's another part of this. And I only say that to say, like, you can't even if as teams get eliminated, no team's going to commit to thinking 
about certain moves until Mason. No, <laughs> no chance. <laughs> no, yeah, you just can't. Uh, so that's another factor here. I don't think Scoot's quite at that level, although I did. I did at one time think he was that dude. I, I still think he's going to be really good, but not like change your franchise. Eh, maybe he will be. Um, so there's still a lot to parse through. And I, yeah, the Brogdon trade, I think is going to be important. And that's a good point. Like a lot of times you hear these rumors about a team being interested in a player and those persist forever and ever like, Oh look, Kevin Durant, the Suns really wanted him and then they didn't get him. But Oh wait, yes, they did. Like that happens all the time. So what does that end up looking like for the Pacers with the reported interest they had in various forwards? And Hey, they really need that forward. They really need it. And a rookie forward probably won't satisfy their needs for skill at that position. So you either have to trade for someone or sign someone. And we're back to the same 10 things that we've talked about over and over again. So all this to say, if you're still listening to us talking in circles, the reason this Pacers offseason is going to be maybe not nuts. Like it could just be one big trade that seems crazy, but it's it's not complicated. But it's just is going to require some creativity is because they don't have a lot of outgoing free agents, but they have a lot of cap space, a lot of draft picks, and a lot of goals for more wins. And all together, that's really, really tricky to handle. And so I do not envy the Pacers because their modeling, their projections of what could happen is just it's it's gonna what's I don't know what show the gift from because I don't watch enough TV shows and I don't like gifts, but the guy who's like doing the conspiracy theory thing and pointing at the wall with all the stuff connected. I think it's always sunny in Philadelphia. That that seems right. Um that is gonna be me trying to figure out <laughs> for the next three months. It's crazy. I have no idea what Kevin Pritchard's up to, but no matter what idea I feel like fans come up with of like, what about going for this guy? What about going for this guy? There's going to be some pros and some cons. And so the question is going to be, where do they find the most pros and these cons? And like, that's the goal of every transaction, but more so this summer when it's going to be a transaction like that, that involves a lot of moving parts. And the domino effect of all of those things is yes. what's going to be right. insane. Like, right. and and that's always the thing that I, I, I just keep coming back to with all of this stuff. It's like, okay, so you want to go out and get a guy. That's great. You have to have something that the other team wants. Okay, great. But then you, then, then they might have to do something. So then you have to factor that in. And that, and there's just, it ties together so many factors that I don't think get considered in fake trades. Cause why would they? It's just fun to say, Hey, let's just trade a bunch of stuff for a really good player and not think about what anybody else involved is going to consider. But yeah, I, the domino effect of all of it is going to be just absolutely fascinating. Like you said, cause if the Pacers jump up in the lottery at all, like, what did okay that's a drastically that's a drastically <laughs> different outcome than like one two three and four are just better than seven that's crazy but that's then crazy. there's teams that move back so then some assets might change hands like if the dallas mavericks end up moving back they don't have their pick anymore all of a sudden it's just it's absolute oh. chaos and yeah uh, that would be the f- I'm sorry. That would just be so funny. I mean, I'm rooting for it so bad. I it, really it am. Would br- it would be horrible for the Mavs in a million ways, but oh man, would would that just be hilarious? What is oh, it like an 80% yeah. chance they keep it like it's perfect. It is. It is, yeah. Oh, the, the the worst case scenario for everything is if Chicago's pick jumps up in the top 4, they keep it. Dallas drops back outside of the top 10. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I, it's just going to be fascinating. I'm excited about it. The Bulls just okay. We we've reached the end of you get why <laughs> the Chicago Bulls it, section of the lockdown. Yeah, Pacers I'm not going to do that. But like the Bulls are the kind of team that that the Pacers should, in theory, be dealing with. Like 
The Bulls yes. literally cannot keep their team together. They will be a tax team if they do, and they just won 39 games. Like That's stupid. That is absolutely stupid. They're going to do something. Yes. So that kind of team is the kind of team the Pacers should be like, let's go. They're going to change directions. But they, like I said, they don't have a lot of this stuff that makes sense. That's another identifier. Is that Washington maybe? But like same question. Like what, what do they have? <laughs> you know, that's another challenge of this finding the Brogdon trade or finding the right pieces. What's the team that's going to do that? If that team even exists, like maybe the Pacers are rooting for Miami to just get clobbered in their next four games. Miami already might be like, Hey, we won one. We <laughs> we're fine. Uh, but somewhat, you know, and there's always a surprise team, right? But Who's it going to be? What's it going to look like? Does Portland end up doing something weird? You know, that's that's what this Pacers summer is. I'm out of stuff to say. I'm glad this was high level. Like, I didn't get too nitty gritty, but at the same time, I, I hope people understand what's about to happen. Like, it, it's it's very hard for me to imagine anyone looking back at this offseason going, wow, that was tame. You know, it, it, every offseason feels chaotic because there's just a million things that happen in like 10 days. But this one in particular to me is going to be just all over the place. Yeah, and even Steen, if I'm out of stuff to say, I have no go. more stuff to say. That's it. Yeah, and even if nothing happens, like even if the Pacers keep all of it, like we said at the beginning, that is still going to be insane. Like it's going right. to matter. If like so, yeah, uh, I will also stop talking in circles and uh, <laughs> really look forward to just getting more information, whether it becomes lottery, whether it's the playoff results, just like every single one of these things is going to be a data point. CBA results, like the more details come out about that, everything is going to factor into not just this summer, but the summer moving forward and, and every year moving forward and what all of that factors into one decision and then another and then another and then another. And then here we are. And yet three months from today, we could look back and go, you know what? The only move that made that matters is giving Tyrese Halliburton all the monies and all the years. <laughs> How much money exactly? No. <laughs> Several commas will be in that. Yes. Yes. That question. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be the biggest number I've ever typed into Excel, most likely uh, for the pacer for the Pacers cap sheet specifically. Um, Rhett, you did double duty this month. You're off the hook for lockdown Pacers uh, <laughs> working for for no money. Thank you for guesting again on this show. It is much appreciated. Where can people follow you and your work? Yeah, it is absolutely my pleasure to come on here and talk in circles for, uh, <laughs> for almost 40 minutes and then talk about the Bulls. Whoops. Now, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer. Um, I will have some stuff coming out, both uh, Dynasty related. So it'll be team recaps involving the Pacers, but then also I have something looking at the Pacers offseason. Even though it is chaos, I am going to do my own little model and see just like what what some of the paths could look like because I just think that's fascinating to do and just really starts to look into the domino effect that we've already talked about. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I everything they do more so than any offseason, I think for them I've covered every decision they ultimately make will tell a lot about what their next decisions or steps or goals look like because as much as optionality is great and keeping that open forever, like it's going to be very hard for me to imagine that they get through this offseason better and still have that optionality in a way that they want. Like they could have some, but not as much as they have right now. Uh, that was all very complicated. So I'm sure you have questions right here on Twitter at T East NBA. I'll try to answer all of them or just make fun of me for saying a million things that were the same thing in a bunch of different ways for 40 minutes. Uh, tomorrow and Friday, I guess I'll just say it starting the season player review series on lockdown Pacers. And for all of them, Kaylin Cooper and I are going to dive into every player in various shapes and sizes and forms. Of course, if you have listened uh, or read her work before, you know 
It's going to be awesome. It's going to be super fun. We start that tomorrow looking at some of the reserve bigs, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, and Daniel Tice. We will cut through all the noise for them on Thursday and Friday's show. I will not spoil the player for Friday just yet. But thank you guys a ton for listening. Have a fantastic day. I will see you tomorrow.